Hello, you're listening to a Zen Studies Society podcast. To learn more about our community of Zen Buddhist practitioners, please visit zenstudies.org. So I want to first express my deepest thanks to you, Shinge Roshi, my teacher, our teacher, whose love and teaching can only be called boundless. And to Chigan Roshi and Hokuto Sensei and to all of you in the Sangha who are my teachers, thank you. So it's 8.30 in the morning here in Seattle. And uh, somehow I managed to find another metropolitan area that's just as overcast and cloudy as Syracuse. It's a wonder this technology that we have that, that brings us together like this in spite of all the ravages of, of this pandemic. But like everything, this technology is a two-edged sword, uh, as we know from uh, political schisms and uh, separations that we have in this country. It's, it's kind of like our lives, um, so much potential, but it's all about what we do with it. Today, as, as a kind of jumping off point for my talk, I wanted to share with you a bit of a, of a koan, case two of the Mumon Khan, Yakujo's fox. And don't worry, it's a deep and broad koan that's very long. I'm just going to share a little part of it to get started on what I really want to tell you about, which is some of my own journey. When Yakujo Osho delivered a certain series of sermons, an old man always followed the monks to the main hall and listened to him. When the monks left the hall, the old man would also leave. One day, however, he remained behind and Yakujo asked him, who are you standing here before me? I once spent time, a short time, at a monastery in Japan. Through the close connection I had with a colleague, uh, Yasuo Suda, a Japanese colleague, and he would come to visit me in Syracuse and spend time working together. And several times I had the opportunity to visit him in Japan. And through his family, 
they arranged for me to spend a little time at this Soto monastery. And in this monastery, the Dharma Hall was on a big platform, elevated platform. And during a morning service, early in the morning, 4.30 or 5, villagers would come in down below the Dharma Hall in their work clothes, and they would stand lighting incense and chanting with the monks. And so this encounter between Yakujo and the old man really rings true for me. Who are you standing here before me? The old man replied, I am not a human being. In the old days of Kashyapa Buddha, I was a head monk living here on this mountain. One day, a student asked me, does an enlightened person fall under the yoke of causation or not? I answered, no, he does not. Since then, I've been doomed to undergo 500 rebirths as a fox. I beg you now to give the turning word to release me from my life as a fox. Tell me, does an enlightened person fall under the yoke of causation or not? Yakujo answered, he does not ignore causation. No sooner had the old man heard these words than he was enlightened. Making his bows, he said, I am emancipated from my life as a fox. I shall remain on this mountain. I have a favor to ask of you. Would you please bury my body as that of a dead monk? Living as what? Dying as what? You never know who is standing before you. And as I have been living with with my own illness, I've also been living with this question of causation. And it's led me to a kind of personal investigation, leaving no stone unturned. I always read the, the police blotter in the Seattle Times in the morning with my cup of coffee, someone is shot, someone drowns in Green Lake. There's uncertainty, mystery. Why did it happen? What caused it? And I was really drawn to these events and, and, and I, I felt the need to go to those places and, 
and see what I could learn. Uh, and as a photographer, I wanted I wanted to engage in this investigation and somehow capture these physical, visible places. And I brought my view camera, which is this big black camera with a bellows that sits on a tripod. Uh, it's kind of out of the Civil War or something where I have to put a black cloth over my head to, to focus on the ground glass, black and white film. So it's a very kind of slow and deliberative process. Uh, but I had to find the exact place. I wanted to find the exact place. And that led me to interact and, and encounter people there in the places where the events happened. It was the same kind of encounter with uh, Hyakujo. People would look at me and say, why are you standing before me? Why are you here? And as it turns out, they, they were my teachers uh, and they showed me what was not visible. A man in an auto parts store who recalled where the person was shot. A woman living in a halfway house who, who pointed to the spot where he fell. I also met people who, who knew nothing about these events that I had read in the newspaper. Uh, they knew nothing about it until, of course, I, I told them why I was there. Some of the places seemed banal, uh, but in others, I could feel the effects of uh, poverty, injustice, neglect. In French, uh, there's a word, ponctuel, and it has more meanings than that in, in English. It can describe something that occurs at one point in time, not repeating. The opposite of continu or continuous. And while each of these events and, and places had a, had a firmly punctual nature, material, visible. I realized that these events were not separate from the, 
the long chain of, of conditions and circumstances that led to that one point. And emanating from that point, from that moment was a wake of energy that had affected the people and the place through time, punctual and continuous. It's, it's like when we, we chant uh, Te Dai Dempo, the recitation of our Zen lineage every evening during Seshin. We're, we're not just honoring those who we think are no longer with us. They, they are with us here today. As we, as we talk and, and, and listen today. If not for Hakuin Nekako Zenji and Edo Shimano Roshi, we wouldn't be talking on Zoom here today. Part of this great circle. So in this personal project of mine, uh, I found that it's, it's much harder than I expected to photograph the invisible. And, and this helped me to see how happenings like like the, the happening that, that, that we call death, that seem so finite and so sharply defined. Yes, are, are, are just that, but not, not so at all. In fact, where does an event that seems so punctual actually begin? And where does it end? So this, this search led me back uh, to myself. If, if like, our, like our Zen lineage, if the lives of, of my parents and my grandparents are, are crystallized in this moment as I speak to you now, then, then who am I? Dogen writes, to study the Buddha's way, 
is to study the self. To study the self is to forget the self. And somewhere it came back to me uh, a memory of, of this con uh, that begins, um, show me your original face. And I wasn't sure where, what collection it was in or where it was. So, uh, so I searched on the internet and the, the list of, of hits I got on Google were show me your original face and then show me your war face. Show me face shields. Show me the money. So, so much for the internet and uh, in, in Zen practice. But actually, I did find out where, where I could read it and, and, and study it. And the core question is posed in uh, case 23 in the Mumunkan. But other masters have phrased uh, different variations. Show me your original face before you were born. Show me your face before your parents were born. And so, this is what I'm trying to practice now. The other day, uh, taking a walk uh, in a drizzling rain, shoes crunching on the wet gravel path. Who is this walking? Who is this? Thinking. Squirrels hide their nuts. Trees sway in the wind. Moo, mooing, moo. Thank you, Ryushin, for your talk this morning. And I was thinking about your project and imagining if I were among those for whom that punctual, or we might say the word punctuation comes from that, that instant moment. And at the same time, experiencing continuity as a member of the neighborhood and seeing you there and under your black uh, fabric with your huge camera on the tripod. And I wondered if anyone engaged with you in a way of continuity, in a way of saying this person I've known for some time, or I remember seeing this person around or anything like that, where you really got a feeling of both the moment of this death happening there 
and also the trajectory, the 500 lifetimes, if you will, that came together at that moment. Yes, some, every place was different. And some were, some had a, a, a feeling of, of emptiness and others were very busy and, and full of people who, who had been affected by the, the event and uh, knew it intimately. But expressed through through sometimes nonverbal ways the the feeling that this was this seeming single event was really part of a continuous flow of sadness and misfortune and uh, and not out of the ordinary. And I'm grateful to all of those people who surprisingly were interested and collaborative uh, and in some way appreciative that someone was paying attention or, or taking notice. And for me, it resonated to the, the inexplicability of, of these things for, for me personally in my own life of, of coming to grips with uh, uncertainty and not knowing. Which is always a struggle. <laughs> yeah. I'm hoping someday to make a book out of it with some text and the photographs and so, so we'll see. Yushin, I think some of us are acutely aware of the moment of punctuation that we face. You, because of illness, I and others because of age, in fact, recently, when I was at Rohatsu, I had to leave to go to the hospital because of a blood pressure surge. And it's something that becomes very familiar even before it happens. That sense of, okay, here's the punctuation mark, period. 
So I thought you might have a few more words to share in that regard. In, in my own journey, I guess there are There are, there are many different punctuation marks. There are question marks and exclamation points and semicolons and commas and dashes and uh, And particularly when I get the feeling of, well, I, when I get the feelings of, of mortality and uh, a worry that things are going to end, that it's like the end of the page or the end of the book. I find it helpful to take this, this mind of viewing it, like I said before, well, really, where do things start and where do they end? And that turns my mind to the, to, to, to at least an understanding that I have intellectually, and sometimes I can feel it too, that really there was no beginning of this and it's, it's not ending. So, so that's what, what's helped me. Thank you, Rushin. Thank you, everyone. We will be ending with great bows. And uh, next Sunday, I'll be speaking Maybe I will speak on the ninth ox herding picture, which I didn't get to speak on at Rohatsu due to the surprising change of venue. So see you next Sunday. This has been a Zen Study Society podcast. If you found it to be of interest, please consider making a donation by visiting zenstudies.org donate. Thank you for listening.